Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. On today's show, we're going to do our usual beginning. Uh, we'll talk some news of the day, talk about uh, some new recruits and their jersey numbers, uh, some basketball talk, then we'll get into our returner profiles. And then the back half of the show, we have an interview with four-star recruit prospect Braylon Allen out of Fond du Lac. He's part of the class of 2022 a uh, very, very highly touted kid, uh, a big recruit on Wisconsin's radar for that cl- upcoming class, uh, not the 2021 class, but the year after. Uh, he's got uh, Wisconsin in his sights, as as uh, Notre Dame, Michigan, Michigan State have all been uh, inquiring about him. So we'll have him on just to kind of talk about uh, the strengths of his game, what he's looking for in a school, things like that. So we hope you guys enjoy uh, talking to a player that Wisconsin has very high on their radar of the future. Uh, before we get into that, we'll do our normal segments of the day. Matt, how you doing today? Doing great. You know, it's uh, it's going well. Uh, it's it's nice that it's it's done raining. Yesterday was kind of crummy, and with that going on, but uh, doing well. Thanks to a, a couple people who uh, wrote in um, reviews to us. Uh, we always take that uh, reminder. If you guys uh, like what we're doing, throw those in there. We really appreciate it. And um, if you have Throw in a question, we will definitely work to answer it. We've got some cool stuff coming um, down the pipe here in the next few weeks. But how are you doing, man? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, yeah, like Matt said, we appreciate uh, anyone giving reviews and, and things of that nature. It always helps us, helps us promote the show and get it out there. And, yeah, we've got some some fun stuff on the on the docket. I know some, some other outlets will be doing something while you have something next week, kind of a, a fun hypothetical college road college football road trip uh, kind of game that we're going to do, uh, and I believe Drew is going to hop on uh, with us, so that'll be a fun one to kind of head you guys into uh, the 4th of July week, and uh, yeah, I mean, everything's going good on my end. Baseball is hopefully going to be back, so uh, definitely a, a nice welcome uh, for sports on the on the horizon here as we work into the, the summer months of, of July and August that way. You a big DH fan? <laughs> I, I, I'm kind of on the fence about it. I love the strategy of the NL and things of that nature, but at the same time, I'm okay with not seeing, um, you know, pitchers bat every time. So it's kind of, I'm kind of a middleman. What about yourself? Yeah, I would say, I, yeah, I would say it's it's one of those things where it's I could see both ways. I I don't need to sit to see Jimmy Nelson uh, getting hurt while trying to stretch out exactly. a single, but uh, I also know that uh, as a Brewers fan, uh, Craig Council usually uh, uses some mad scientist moves with with how to use his uh, bullpen and starting rotation using his stuff, but but it also might mean Ryan Braun gets more at bats. So I, I see it as a kind of you know, a double-edged sword. Most definitely. And you got to know, you know, your your podcast co-host, we should know that about each other on where we stand in the DH because that is an important way to, to look at some people. <laughs> some people are very much into it and some people, I would imagine most National League listeners are, are not keen on it, but I think that was going to eventually happen anyways. Anyway, so it'll be good to see a, a trial run on the 60-game season that we're hopefully uh, now going to have. But All right, should we head over to the news of the day? Yeah, let's do this, man. Here's what's happening. 
All right. We've talked a little bit about on the show earlier in the week uh, with the re- the commitment of Ricardo Hallman. Uh, it, of course, changed the rankings for the uh, 2021 class, and the Badgers actually moved up to 11th in the country uh, with the addition of Hallman. I actually saw some places uh, classifying him as a four-star. I, I think uh, 247 has a, as a three-star, but I saw some articles saying four. So definitely a guy that's right on that, that line for three-four. I personally... Uh, I saw a lot of the comments on our uh, profile kind of page that we put out for him. Uh, it sounded like a lot of people were in the same boat saying this kid was a steal. I, I would agree. I think Ricardo is very talented. You could see it on his highlight tape that uh, he's the real deal. So whatever star he is, I don't think it necessarily matters. But a big get for the Badgers, no doubt. He had some other big offers. So for him to get uh, up to Wisconsin is going to be awesome. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed the interview with him. But it's it's making the class shape up really nicely, and uh, you know 11th would be 15 spots higher than this past class, which was 26, which was the highest for Wisconsin. So to land a class, a top 15 class, of course, you want a lot land a top 10, and there's some guys that can certainly push it that way. But for Wisconsin to be sitting, you know, 11th in the country is is pretty pretty big time. So what do you make of uh, the the new rankings? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's definitely good for Wisconsin. There's a long way to go within this process still, um, and but at the same time, I think if they can close on some some high tier players, you know, like a Nolan Rucci, uh, that would go a long way in securing a top 25 class. We've kind of seen the class as the last couple classes um, kind of spike up and trend in a positive direction according to rankings. Uh, you know, this one right now ranked 11th. That's that's bound to drop unless, you know, a couple five stars end up in this class or some guys get tremendous rating boosts. But but I, at the same time, there is, there is definite positive momentum on the recruiting trail. Um, we'll just see kind of how long we need to wait until there's more um, – commitments uh, on the way because there might be a, a bit of a dip here in terms of time based off of the fact that they hit on a lot of their um, top guys early and then now they've got a lot of guys who are still kind of wanting to wait till official visit season. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, you look at the class and, you know, kind of how it's shaped up. I think that makes 15 players. Does that sound right in this class right now? Let's double check here. I think it was 15 hard commits. Yep. So, you look at last year's class, in terms of scholarship guys, they had around 20. So they've definitely hit on a lot of the guys that they wanted to in this like you know three-week stretch run uh, of, of landing quite a few of these guys. So I, I definitely think that's going to be a, probably a little lapse because there's some, some big names out there that are still kind of considering things and are going to want to you know use all the time that they can to make their decision. And, of course, that's what you want for recruits. You don't want them to, to rush to a decision or anything like that. You want them to be able to visit and get on campus and – Right now, unfortunately, that, that looks like it's going to be even harder, you know, especially in Madison. I know there's been some changes and, and some spikes in cases. So uh, I think it's definitely a safe than sorry, but that's going to maybe delay some of these decisions and delay some recruitment a little bit. But right now, you know, you look at the class shaping up well. Uh, 15 commits is, is no joke, and a lot of these kids are, I think, I think personally more talented than what the stars say. So you could definitely – uh, see this class going higher, but at the end of the day, it's it's a good spot to be in for Paul Chris uh, in his up in this upcoming season. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's positive vibes all around right now on the recruiting front. Hopefully, they can keep that going, um, not only in the 2021 class but also the 2022 class. Um, as we have our interview with Braylon Allen later, most definitely. All right, our next piece of news uh, is. A little bit about uh, the coronavirus pandemic, uh, student-athletes coming back to campus. 
Uh, two out of the 117 student-athletes did test positive for COVID-19, um, which, of course, you don't want to see anybody get it. But in terms of, of what we've seen across the country, some uh, schools having 20 to 25 uh, players just you know on a football team, this is a collective amount of student-athletes that way. But definitely uh, positive that it's such a low number, but still something to watch for. I mean, I think every day now we've had reports of teams reporting more, and, of course, you're going to see more numbers uh, as testing gets further on and you start to test more people, you're going to uh, get more positives. But what did you make of, of the low number uh, for Wisconsin athletics coming back onto campus? Yeah, I mean, you, you look at it right now, the first two uh, teams back were the women's volleyball and football team. Um, so those numbers are kind of based off of that and support staff and whatnot. And uh, two out of, I mean, out of uh, 117, you know, you're looking at under 2%, um, you know, which which isn't terrible. Obviously, you don't wish anybody to to be ill. You don't wish anybody to have um, something scary like coronavirus. But, um, you know, this, this is something that, you know, both you and I and most people who have been following, um, you know, the college football landscape knew that there was going to be positive tests that it would be something that people would have to navigate. Um, you know, I, I don't see that this as anything that's, you know, news breaking or shocking in my um, eyes, but at the same time, it, it's definitely something that um, you, you hope to kind of contain at this point that players are going to be working out. They're going to be sharing, um, you know, back to um, their lifestyles where they're sharing um, apartments with one another. Hopefully those um, positive tests kind of stay down and we don't see, um, a breakout like you saw at like Clemson, for example, like you said. So um, I, I think overall it's it's positive news, um, you know, all things withstanding just because um, you don't want positive tests, but only two out of 117 isn't nearly as bad as what it definitely could have been and what we've seen at other programs across the country. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, you want to keep that number low, and I think it's what's going to be important to pay attention to is how many cases – uh, come after that with, you know, these guys getting back into working out, guys and gals, you know, with the volleyball team as well, uh, getting back to working out, getting back to being around each other. You want to keep that number probably as low as possible. Uh, so if you see spikes as kids return to campus, that might be a time to throw up a red flag. But two out of 117 right now, I think Wisconsin is sitting in a pretty good uh, situation compared to a lot of schools that have had, you know, a, a bigger outbreak and, and more kids returning to campus with it. But thankfully we're taking – hopefully all the steps to prevent this and, and prevent further spread that way uh, amongst not only the players but of the, the staff and, and the trainers and everything like that. All right, our next piece of news. I personally paid a, probably too much attention to this. I know it's just jersey numbers, but the freshmen uh, <laughs> coming into Wisconsin, uh, football numbers were released. Uh, I think there was a couple good ones. I I don't know if it's like an NCAA 14 thing where if you played a lot of college football video games, you know that the combo and the number is important. <laughs> but any certain number or combo kind of stick out to you that you really like to see on these Badgers as they work their way onto the field? Uh, you know, for me, I, I actually kind of like it when you see guys who um, get the lower numbers because that's usually, um, you know, indicative of that they're going to have a chance to, to play early. Um, I, I personally feel because – Usually the, the low numbers are numbers that are kind of fought after by, by players. So you see a guy like Jalen Berger at number eight. Uh, that's usually a, a good sight. Um, you know, Kim Ray DK at 13, 
um, and Nick Herbig at 19. Those are those are numbers. They're high school numbers. So to to kind of be able to keep those uh, are cool to see, and um, hopefully they can make a, an early impact. But you know, I don't I don't try to make too much out of this. Uh, most likely, a lot of these guys are going to eventually switch numbers um, once they. Uh, become uh, bigger contributors, but uh, it's definitely a fun thing to see, um, especially when you kind of look at a, a guy like um, Malik Reed with the number 53, and then you, you think back to, um, you know, some of the other players who have who have worn number 53 for Wisconsin, and it's kind of like, oh, okay, um, and and so that's kind of uh, a fun, fun thing to do, at least in my eyes. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, I know um, you know some of these numbers are are probably going to change. I really did like. Uh, I think it was Devin Chandler was 86. I kind of like the the non traditional numbers uh, for positions. I know there's certain regulations that you have to have certain numbers to certain place. Um, I really liked. I was number 19 in high school, so I always liked the uh, the Nick Herbig 19. You don't see a lot of that kind of a unique number. So when I see it, uh, that's always holds a special place in my heart. But really, at the end of the day, it's cool to just see you know these guys. You know, getting into the fold, you know, seeing, you know, what kind of uniforms they have because we've, you know, most listeners have been and been hearing these names for, for over a year now and in terms of recruiting trying to view, if you pay attention to that, you've seen these names and now it's kind of coming to fruition that these guys are going to be on campus, being a part of the team, you know, they got a jersey, they got a jersey number, they're no longer just prospects, they're uh, players on the team, which is cool to see when you kind of follow along uh, with these guys for so long. All right, our last piece of news, uh, some basketball stuff. It feels like forever that we've talked since we've talked about basketball, but uh, Big Ten All-Decade team was released. Ethan Happ was named to the second team, and Frank the Tank Kaminsky was named to the first team. Uh, not really any surprises, but when you think of you know the Big Ten uh, for this past decade, there's a lot of good players. And, of course, Frank Kaminsky, I think, is well-deserved of a, of a first team. I think he's been... Definitely one of the best players of the decade, and, and Ethan Happ is right up there with him in the second team. So I fully kind of agree with that, but what did you make of, of those two getting a pretty prestigious honor when you think of how many good players have came through the Big Ten these past ten years? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's definitely something that uh, both guys uh, were warranted in receiving those honors. You know, Big Ten Network doing this. They had 24 people kind of working to, to vote on who they think should be in that Big Ten all-decade team. Um, I, I think both are very deserving, um, you know, Frank Kaminsky's probably got a really good case to potentially be the top player from the entire uh, um, decade just because of what uh, he helped the Badgers do. He won the Naismith Trophy as well. So he's, he's got a really good shot at that honor. But, but, I, but I really think Ethan Happ was um, – it was good to see him get that award because of um, – you know, he his overall contributions and career was so huge. Just uh, you know, you look at the record books and and you see him in career points at third. Uh, you and first in rebounds, third in assists, second in steals for the entire program. Um, and 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 I really look at it as where I feel as though half got a bad rap. Um, in because of kind of his limitations on the free throw line and you know shooting a jump shot, but. The dude could do it on each end of the court, and he really kind of bridged that gap between those those back-to-back Final Four teams that were really fighting for uh, national titles, and kind of this team this past year and going into next year where they they have a chance to win the Big Ten title. You know, they're they're he was he was it 
you know, he was really the focal point of that team, those teams in between and, and really kind of kept things afloat as there was a coaching change. There was, um, all sorts of stuff going on. He, he was, he was kind of the, uh, you know, he, he steered the ship in a lot of ways. So, um, I think it's, it's something that he is very deserving of and he's one of the better big guys that, um, kind of patrolled the floor the last 10 years. Oh, most definitely. When you talk about both of these guys, just excellent players that you you think back of you know their careers and, and some of the special games that they both put out, uh, and it brings back a lot of nostalgia. I know we haven't talked a lot of basketball. Uh, it's been, of course, the, the very slow part of what normally would be a college basketball season anyway, but uh, to, to kind of see and, and think back to those two names uh, was, was special, and I think they're both very well deserving of of the honors that they uh, hit on. And I think that was a very cool thing to see the Big Ten Network do. I know a lot of these networks are trying to come up with new things to do. It's been now three-some months that uh, there hasn't been live sports on in a lot of ways. But uh, these lists are kind of fun, and now's the perfect time to do them. So it was good to see both of those guys uh, get that honor. All right, let's hop over to our returner profiles for the season. Keep hammering away at these. I know we uh, have been knocking a few out every episode, and we're going to continue that trend today. And today we're going to talk about guys that uh, are, are kind of guys that are maybe on the not in the fringe, but going to be working their way uh, to seeing some field time this year. And we'll start with uh, Cormac Sampson, a guy that has bounced around quite a bit. Uh, was of course lined up in the tight end position last year, some uh, due to all the injuries at that tight end position. Moving back to the offensive line, probably going to be definitely in the fold um, for one of those offensive line spots. Maybe, you know, if somebody gets banged up at like the center or guard position, definitely going to be a guy that's in the mix, I'll say, uh, with Joe Rudolph and the offensive line. But what did you make of uh, Cormac Sampson, and, and what do you think he's going to bring to the table in 2020? Yeah, I thought he was he helped admirably last year, made a couple starts at, at that blocking tight end spot when the Badgers went heavy. Um, you know, he, he's, he's a guy who – who came in as a tight end, uh, switched over to offensive line, then switched back to tight end out of necessity. And I, I think he, he played well. He, he's a guy who has kind of stacked on weight now recently, should be closer to that 300-pound mark that should allow him to compete. Um, but, but really, he earned his stripes. He showed the staff that he could help this team. Doing so as a redshirt freshman is, is pretty strong. Um, you know, he, he's a, he's a good player. He's got a good athleticism, good size, 6'4", you know, probably a 290 right now. Um, but I, I think he's a guy that if you see a guy like Caden Lyles not be able to be ready right away, that maybe he's someone who could take advantage of that situation. Um, or, you know, he takes one of the backup guard spots. Um, I'm not saying he couldn't end up at one of the starting spots, but I do think he's going to be, like you said, in the mix, fighting for, for reps and fighting for opportunities in the fall. And I think just given his upside, he, he's a player that the staff is high on and that should, shouldn't be counted out at this juncture. Oh, definitely not. He's a, a kid that I think was – it took on a really tough task last year, moving positions, moving around so much, and now moving back. So to, to see him on the field uh, at all this year will be impressive just simply because that's a lot to try and take on your plate. I know – tight end and as a blocking tight end there's similar things but it's still a different position that you've got to kind of learn and and develop in so for him bouncing around and, and to be out there this year will be a, a good sight and like you said I think the coaching staff is very high on him as well the next guy kind of a similar situation uh, and that's Madison Cohn a guy that's bounced around between cornerback when he originally came to Wisconsin and now in the safety 
played a lot of dime packages, a lot of nickel packages, kind of a hybrid guy, someone that you can just put out there in the secondary. Uh, kind of been in, in the mix a lot every year that he's been in there. Didn't play a ton last season. I believe he only had six total tackles, so it was tough to get him on the field at some points, but he's a guy that you can definitely rely on in a lot of different packages and positions. But what do you make of Madison Cohen and his return? Yeah, I think he, he's a guy you saw play a lot more in 2018, had a couple interceptions, uh, flashed a little bit. But, but then in 2019, you kind of saw him kind of morph into more of a hybrid safety slash corner um, instead of just a straight-up nickel guy. He He's primarily used there at the nickel just because of his size. You know, he's only like 5'8", 5'9". Um, but, but at the same time, he, he's reliable. He's a guy that they can turn to. Really smart kid. He's he's uh, representing the the team and the university um, in a lot of the racial based discussions that are happening across the Big Ten. Um, so he's a really smart kid who who I think is is a leader um, in that room. But at the same time, you, you saw him kind of um, get uh, beaten out at time last year by Rashad Wild Goose um, and some of the other younger corners like Samar Melvin who are who kind of flashed right away when they kind of made um, a jump into that nickel spot. So I think um, I don't think it's an indictment on him whatsoever. I, I just think you look at what you have in some of the upperclassmen at safety and you look at some of the um, young talents at corner and it, it's just he's he's kind of in no man's land trying to figure out um, where he's going to fit in. Um, but that doesn't mean he's not going to be a valuable contributor in that secondary in one way or another, especially on in uh, special teams. Yeah, he's going to be a guy that you definitely need, uh, whether he's out there a lot, whether he's out there a little. He's someone you can rely on to to get the job done. He's played a lot of football despite kind of being beaten out for some spots last year. Uh, of course, an upperclassman senior coming back. He's he's a guy that uh, injuries happen. We saw it last year with, with Scott Nelson went down early. Other guys had a thrust in the role. I know we've talked a lot about the secondaries towards uh, you know in terms of depth. He's just another guy that you can work into uh, that position and, and be a valuable piece for that. And Jim Leonard likes to have a lot of different options, so Madison Cohn will certainly uh, be in the mix this fall. All right, our next player profile we're going to hit on is Chase Wolf. Uh, I know a lot of the competition and, and the talk is going to be, of course, with Jack Cohn and uh, highly recruited Graham Mertz coming in this season. But Chase Wolf, I think, uh, despite not getting much attention, is also a very reliable quarterback. I think uh, when you look at probably a third-string quarterback. I think you have to think of, okay, if, if worse comes to worse, if something happens, can Chase Wolf or, or your third string come in and keep you in a football game and keep you competitive and maybe we even win you a football game? I think Chase Wolf can do that from what I've seen in, in a very small sample size, but what do you make of Chase Wolf as he comes back for 2020? I, I think he's a guy who's definitely going to fight to – to earn his spot in the in the room, he's probably going to be your third stringer. Um, you know, like you insinuated with Cone and Mertz battling it out. I I really don't think it's even that big of a battle anymore. I think because of coronavirus and everything being tilted, it's Jack Cone. Um, but but I think Wolf is is going to bide his time, try to try to beat out Mertz when it com, comes uh, about next uh, the following season for them to figure out who's going to be the starter. He, he's he's got good tools. He's got a really strong arm. Uh, he kind of has a, a wonky delivery, kind of that um, you know the three quarters delivery. Uh, but but at the same time, he, he's got some wheels. He can he can really scamper and, and move his feet, kind of extend plays. 
Um, you know, he's only six foot, but at the same time, he, he's he's got the the intangibles that you want in a quarterback. He's he's a good leader. Um, he, he's, he's willing to fight. You know, you saw him go toe to toe with Sean Clifford back in high school. Um, in fact, I, I got video over the summer, uh, earlier that, uh, of him working out with Clifford and he was throwing toe to toe with him. So it's not like he's a slouch. It's not like he's, he's, um, not a player that could easily be starting at a lot of teams. Um, but, but I think he, he's just going to be having to wait his turn and really have to fight off you know, a guy like Graham Mertz next year for, for the starting job. And, and if not, I think he's a valuable backup who could who could really help you out if, if need be. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that's the, the biggest thing for Chase Wolf is that he can come in, I think, and, and be the guy that if you need to can, can win you games. I mean, you see some programs, the number one goes down, uh, the number two goes down, all of a sudden you're, you've got – you know, nobody that can throw out there. I don't think that's the case. If Chase, if Chase Wolf was thrown out there, I think he's a pretty reliable kid that can get the job done and, and make you look like a competent offense, uh, even in the spite of you know a face of an injury or things like that. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, how his career path kind of plans out and, and pans out with uh, Graham Mertz and, of course, Jack Cohn in the fold this year. All right, our final player profile before we get to our interview is with Keanu Benton, a kid that came in. Last fall, we, we really didn't expect to see a lot of him. We knew that in the defensive tackle mix, he could certainly be a kid, given his background in wrestling, that, that could maybe be advanced. But I don't think anybody expected for him to be a just complete stud as a true freshman uh, at the nose tackle position. So what do you make of Keanu Benton as he comes back for year two? Keanu! That, that kid is, a, is, like you said, he's, he's a beast. You, you look at him coming in, you know, a low, lower-rated three-star recruit, one of the lowest in his entire class, that 2019 group. But he, he jumped in right away. Um, some injuries led to some of that, but I think part of it was just how physically mature and ready he was able to play. Very strong, big Big kid, quick off the ball. Um, he's still working on kind of how to use his hands more and more, but but the raw intangibles are definitely there. I mean, he he's a kid that everybody should be really excited about because Wisconsin doesn't always hit on a lot of these top, you know, a guy who could be like an NFL caliber um, defensive tackle in the NFL level, but he's definitely a kid to that could do that. He he's got everything you want in terms of size, quickness get off, um, and if he gets down kind of an ability to continue homing in on those uh, hand movements and, and being able to use that, which is so vital at the defensive line position, there's no telling what he could do um, given what he has for physical trades. Yeah, no doubt. He's going to be a, a very integral part of this defensive line. You know, we talked about Bryson Williams a couple of weeks ago. Uh, to have both of these guys as options is going to be great for the Badgers as they go forward. Uh, excited to see kind of what uh, he can bring. All right, guys, well, that wraps up our news and our returner profile, so stick with us here. We're going to kick it over to a couple quick ad reads, and then we'll get into our interview with four-star prospect Braylon Allen. All right, Badger fans, we now welcome on a very special guest, a very important recruit in the college football world. Uh, this is Braylon Allen. He's a four-star prospect out of Fond du Lac. Uh, he's part of the 2022 class. Uh, that is already looking very strong uh, in terms of prospects that way. Uh, so, Braylon, thanks uh, for joining us first. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. All right. Well, Braylon, we start every uh, interview with a prospect uh, just kind of asking, you know, what do you feel are, are kind of the strengths of your game uh, at the high school level? 
Um, I think um, one of my biggest strengths is just my versatility, being able to play anywhere anywhere on the field, whether it's on the defensive or offensive side of the ball. Um, I've noticed just after one season that's not something a lot of people can do. So I feel that um, that gives me a big advantage, being able to play uh, the deep free in the box, come off the edge, play play slot corner or a corner on the outside. So I'd say that's my biggest strength. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you watch your huddle and your combination of speed and, and, and size make that uh, very apparent that you can do that. Um, what are you looking to work on entering your junior year, kind of on the flip side? Um, I'd say man coverage is one thing I want to work on and, and get down. Um, that's that's one of my main focuses this summer, and um, us already starting our seven seven on seven stuff. That's what I'm working on the most is coming down and um, just manning up on a receiver. Um, other than that, I'd say um, just being a leader. If if we're not talking on uh, physically, um, just being a leader and um, Taking that leadership role as a as a junior and um, yeah, just just lead my team. It's another thing. Yeah, both of those are definitely important, both uh, in terms of physicality and, and leadership on the field. Uh, both both very valuable. Uh, you know, kind of going off of that. Of course, this this everything's kind of been changed with this pandemic that's going around, but. What have you kind of been doing? I know schools have been closed, things like that, but what have you been doing to kind of stay in shape given the, the just weird times and inability to kind of stay in a, in a normal schedule that way? Um, well, during the lockdown, um, I was just trying to do whatever I could. I got some weights and stuff here where I can do pretty much what I need to do and then just weightlifting-wise and then um, just trying to find some grass where I could keep up with the speed and agility work, um, but now um, with our summer strength and conditioning that we normally would be doing, we we kind of have just our groups with about five to seven guys in each group, and we kind of just meet up at a spot and and do our workouts like that now. So that's that's what we're doing, and then we we usually meet up for conditioning as a team and for seven v seven. Uh, but yeah, just we, I can pretty much do what I would normally do at the school. So um, nobody's really falling too far behind in uh, terms of strength or speed or anything like that. That that's good because I, I know um, that's been something uh, kind of a hurdle that a lot of people have had to overcome. You know, with this, um, you know, obviously there's been a lot of movement now um, towards football possibly returning this fall. You, you talked about you know seven on seven possibly popping back up for you. How badly are you kind of chomping at the bit to get back on the field then? Yeah, it's it's hard not to because usually right now we're already um, in pads and and getting going installing for week one already. So, yeah, it's hard not to be doing all that, but it's it's cool just to be back with the team and even just doing our little seven on sevens is, is nice just to be able to play football, even if it is just two-hand touch. But, yeah, we're, we're all excited to get back and get right to work as soon as we can. 
Yeah, I would have to imagine so. I'm sure that's uh, incredibly tough when you're used to you know, being with everyone and in a normal situation that way. Uh, let's pivot a little bit to this past winter. You had the opportunity to go down to the Army All-American Bowl. Uh, what was that experience kind of like as an underclassman? That was really cool. You, as, a, as a football player, you kind of grow up watching the All-American Bowl. If, if you pay attention to high school football, which I did, you you watch it on TV, and that's some that's a goal that you have um, when you when you get to high school. So being able to compete in the combine and have a chance to possibly compete in that same game um, in a couple years it's a really cool opportunity for me, and I enjoyed it a lot. You know, you you mentioned that you you follow football closely. You know, you've you've got a whole host of various scholarship offers by now. Um, kind of Iowa and Wisconsin were early offers for you in the process. What was it like to earn those those first couple offers? And, and did you have a moment where you kind of knew that you had an opportunity to play college football and that that would be an option for you? Yeah, the the early offers were real, really cool for me and my family both because, um, you know, I've talked about it for a long time, so just for that to um, that dream to come true, uh, just to be able to play college football was real cool. Um, I kind of, um, I'd say, freshman year, beginning of freshman year, at the end of the season, I kind of, uh, kind of thought that maybe I could play somewhere decent, maybe not at the level that, you know, maybe not at the Power 5 level or anything like that. But, um, but yeah, I'd say freshman year, I, I moved up to varsity, and at the time we were the number one team in the state, and, and I earned a starting spot. So I was kind of like, you know, I'm not too bad at this. <laughs> but, yeah, that's kind of when I figured I, I might be able to do something. And my coaches have a lot of connections and, so they were already um, talking to a few schools about me, and I'd met a few schools during the winter and the spring. Got invited to a couple camps, and about February, I think, I got my I got a camp invite from Notre Dame, and that was just crazy to me. Um, so yeah, I'd say freshman year was when I uh, kind of realized that I could play college football at a high level. Most definitely, and I think uh, a lot of people have realized I think you can play at that level, no doubt about it, and I think a lot of coaches are, of course, paying attention to that and seeing that, and uh, that's part of, you know, you're part of that strong, you know, 2022 in-state class, Wisconsin, you know, yourself uh, and five other four-star prospects, you know, potentially kind of be the strongest group that Wisconsin's had in terms of recruiting, but how cool is it to kind of be a part of that group, and do you talk with any of the other uh, prospects around the around the state? Yeah, I'm pretty close with um, all of them. Uh, we have, like, a group chat and stuff, but I talk to each one individually every once in a while. So, um, But, yeah, just be, to be a part of that group is is awesome. Um, like you said, I don't, I don't really think Wisconsin's had anything like that um, in terms of in-state class. So, yeah, that's really cool to be a part of. Um, but, yeah, that's 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely something that is a cool experience for all of you uh, at this moment, especially, you know, just finishing up your, you know, your sophomore years of high school. Um, additionally, Hunter Wohler is, an, is another, uh, was the first kind of consensus four-star safety out of the state of Wisconsin in, in recent history, um, really. Um, you know, you're kind of following that same line, both of you, you know, very highly touted recruits. Um, have you ever had the chance to talk to him um, as well? Yeah, that's, we have a real close relationship. Um, we we met, uh, I knew about him uh, since the end of last year. I knew about him, and we actually met on a Notre Dame visit, actually, and exchanged, you know, Snapchats, Instagrams, and we started talking. We built a relationship. So, yeah, we got a pretty cr- close relationship. That's my guy, so. Uh, yeah, he's he's recruiting me pretty hard. I would have to imagine so. And speaking, you know, of recruiting, uh, I know you've been uh, recruited by Chris Herring and Jim Leonard uh, for the Wisconsin staff. How have you gotten to kind of know uh, both of those guys, and, and what's kind of been Wisconsin's message to you uh, as you move forward in this process? Yeah, um, I, got, I have a real close relationship with both Coach Herring and Coach Leonard. Basically their message to me is, you know, they usually keep it short and sweet. We want to win a national title, and we think that you and the rest of these in-state guys um, can make that happen for sure. So that's usually the message that um, they give me. And uh, just they want they want me and Hunter Wohler in their defensive backfield, and they think that we could have one of the top defenses in the country, um, and they're sure of that. So. That's pretty much the message that they give me. Yeah, I mean, the two of you would, would form a pretty pretty damn good tandem, um, I, I would imagine, a, across the country. It's t- tough to beat that. Um, you know, your recruitment is still, of course, wide open. You know, you're, you've got a long ways until you need to make any sort of decision as a member of the 2022 class. But what are some of the traits that you're looking for in your future school? Oh, well, when it comes to deciding on a school – um, I think the main thing is going to be relationships, um, which are already really strong with Wisconsin. So relationships and just making sure I'm comfortable and I'm at home. Um, that that's going to be a, a dis- the big the biggest deciding factors. Um, besides uh, playing for a winning program, which Wisconsin is and has been for past few years. Um, but yeah, other than that, traits in a school is just just gonna be if um want to get I want to get to a practice and stuff just to see how everything's uh, run down there and um the coaching styles of everybody. But from what I've seen so far, everything is kind of how I would want it to be. Most definitely. I, I can totally hear what you're saying there. Uh, do you have any idea, you know, off the field, do you have any idea what you're kind of hoping to study at the next level, or is that something that's kind of still up in the air for you? Yeah, I want to go in for go for uh, communications or broadcast journalism. And I think actually Madison uh, just introduced, like, sports communications or something like that. So that's, an, that's another thing that I'd want to get into for sure. Yeah, that's a that's a extremely fun field uh, as as a couple people who who kind of dabble in that and, and do some of it. Um, 
who who are the schools that are kind of you recruiting you the hardest? You know, obviously Wisconsin's there, but there's a lot of other schools that are kind of coming at you and and really are, are vying for you. Yeah, I'd say the main three right now that I talk to on a regular basis is uh, Wisconsin, Ohio State, and Florida State. Those are the main three. Everyone else is just kind of every once in a while, but those three are multiple times a week with different coaches. So, yeah, those are the main three right now. Yeah, the other one that I, I noticed, uh, according to your 247 profile, is that you and you mentioned the, the Notre Dame camp. Uh, I'm sure, obviously, you're familiar with Madison being an in-state prospect, but are you excited to see two potential schools like Notre Dame and uh, Wisconsin square off, hopefully, this fall? Yeah, yeah, I'm really excited for that game. Um, <laughs> that one yeah. should be a fun one. Yeah, that would be really fun. <laughs> All right, Braylon, I think that wraps up all our questions for you. Uh, we appreciate you taking the time uh, to join us today. It was a very fun interview. Um, and, and good luck on your recruiting prospect uh, and uh, on your upcoming high school season. We wish you the best. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Have a good right. one. You too. All right, Badger fans, that wraps up another week of the pod. We'll be back with you next week on Wisconsin. <laughs> Thank you.